This is supposed to be a happy occasion. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. And let me tell you, there's a feeling in the podcast, there's a feeling in the country, there's a feeling in the world. And we're going to talk about it today because we're feeling it. We're feeling it. It's all around us. I'm feeling it. As a matter of fact, This is the song that springs to my mind every morning now. Oh yeah, you know it. It's time to celebrate, gang. It's time to celebrate. This is one of the happiest celebration songs I have ever heard. It has been with me all of my life, and all of the good things that have ever been celebrated that I've ever heard about, that I've ever been a part of, has Cool and the Gang celebrating. There's a party going on right here, a celebration to last throughout the year. This is such a feel-good song, and let me tell you, I feel good. Let's all celebrate and have a good time. I feel better than I felt in literally years. It's a spiritual feeling. It's a feeling in my soul. Whatever you want to call it, I feel good. And I've talked about music in this stream many, many times. This is a song that always makes me feel good. It makes me feel like celebrating. It captures the feeling of happiness, of joy, of victory, of good times. It's just the song for me. Music always makes me feel good. And it feels these days like there's music in my head. Happy music. Celebratory music. Music that makes me want to dance. And yes, I'm talking about the results of the U.S. election. I don't usually get political with a podcast. This is about stories, and we're going to tell stories today, for sure. But one of the points of this podcast is to record moments in history, either old history or present history, and this is huge. What happened this week is huge. I'm recording this after the election had been called. The counting continues to expand President-elect Biden's margin of victory, which is a good thing. But that's something we're going to talk about, too. But before we get into that, I just need more music. I need more happy music. Mr. Agador, give me more happy music. We're dancing. We got beat in our head we've got music flowing through our system these days i just feel like dancing let me tell you it's a happy good awake feel good feeling 
Mrs. Gamerdude said it was like a weight had been lifted off of me. She saw it drain from my face. She saw the weight of years, literally years of stress and concern drain from my face on Saturday morning, November the 7th. That's when the election was called. That's when it became clear that America, despite factions trying to fight against it, America had defeated fascism once again. And man, it feels good. It feels good. It feels so good we need more music. Mr. Agador, more music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's move. Let's dance. Let's enjoy the feeling, man. Let's enjoy the feeling. sit still how can you not be moved by what happened over the past week how can you not be moved by what happened in the beginning of november of the year 2020 a horrible year overall but a year where some common sense and some good old-fashioned american values the ones that matter actually prevailed that's such a good feeling let me tell you oh don't get me wrong i was worried i was worried there is a lot of hate in the world there is a lot of hate in this country And that's something we have to tone down, and that's something we're going to talk about today. But we're going to dance a little more. Mr. Agador, more music, please. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of happy over the results of the election. Now, don't get me wrong. I know the problems aren't over. I know this is just the beginning. This is just the first steps of fixing what needs to be fixed. But at least we've taken the first steps, man. And that makes me happy. So we're going to talk about that a little today. We're going to talk about history a little today, too. My history and my history with politics and why this election meant so much to me. When I say my history in politics, I never ran for office. I'm not talking about the fact that I was a representative or a state senator or anything like that. I wasn't. I've always been interested in politics. I've always liked to know how things work, and I've always tried to make the system work because I believe in the system. I believe in our democracy. I've always voted. I've always been a registered voter. I've voted in every single election that I've been able to vote in, and I've always believed in the system, despite the fact that as I've gotten older, I realize how corrupt the system is in a lot of ways, which is very disheartening for someone like me who believes in the purity of what the system should be. It's not that way, but I believe in the system. And I like to think most people do. It's not true, but I like to think most people do. And when I say it's not true, the example that I have for that is the 70 million people, actually more than 70 million people, who voted in the most recent election, took a look around, saw what had been happening to this country, to the people, saw what was going on in the White House, saw what the current administration was doing as far as no ethics, no truth, self-dealing, graft, corruption, the inhumanity to other human beings, the vile treatment of American citizens. They saw all that and they said, yeah, I'm good with four more years of that. That's a problem. That's a problem to me. And that shows me that there's work to be done. It's a very concerning aspect about this most recent election. And here's the thing. It didn't always used to be this way. President-elect Biden said, our opponents are not our enemies. And that's the way we used to view things. We used to view things as, okay, we have differing views, 
But that doesn't mean that we're mortal enemies, or at least it shouldn't mean that. But the current political climate pits Americans against Americans in these WWE-type death matches where there can only be one winner and one loser. Compromise is off the table. Reasonable discussion is off the table. I win, you lose, that's it. Well, that's not what politics is supposed to be about. That's not what life is supposed to be about. Yes, in a democracy, there's a majority rule kind of situation. But because of the three branches of government, because of the way laws are passed, because there are two houses in Congress, compromise is baked into the system. You have to be willing to compromise to get things done. And too many times, the rhetoric is so inflammatory these days. And this me-against-you attitude, I must win, you must lose, equates to I must live, you must die. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Reasonable, grown-up people are supposed to be able to talk to each other. They're supposed to be able to find some common ground. They're supposed to be willing to give up a little of what they want in order to get most of what they want. It's called negotiation. But our politics in this country has degenerated in such a way that that's no longer on the table. I told you I've been voting all of my life, and I have. Now here's my dirty little secret. Please don't hold this against me. But when I registered to vote for the very first time, I registered as a Republican. I registered as a Republican because my parents were Republicans. But my parents were Eisenhower Republicans. President Eisenhower was the president from 1952 to 1960, back when politics wasn't a death sport. So the Republicans that I was aware of that my parents talked about were Goldwater, were Nixon, Ford, Reagan. Those were the Republicans that were the Republicans when I was growing up. Don't get me wrong, Nixon was a crook. Absolutely. And he would have been impeached and removed from office if he hadn't resigned. But that gives you an example of the way things have changed. Because the Republicans in Congress at the time saw that Nixon was breaking the norms. He was breaking the rules. He was breaking the law. And they recognized that. And they recognized that it was wrong and not something that they should support. To the Republican Party in the 70s and the 60s and the 50s, things like truth and the rule of law mattered. When somebody did something wrong, it mattered. When you went against the norms of society, when you went against the morals of society, and there were morals, there was a right and a wrong, and there were laws that said X, Y, and Z are illegal and you don't do them. When the Republican president broke those laws, ignored those norms, the Republicans in Congress agreed with the Democrats in Congress and said, this can't stand. And before he could be impeached and removed from office, Nixon resigned. So when I talk about doing the right thing and the rule of law and things like that mattering, that's my frame of reference. I saw that people on both sides of the aisle, Democrat and Republican, recognized that there was evil being done, that there was wrong being done, that there were laws being broken. And they put party aside and for the good of the country held hearings that revealed what the dangers were, what the laws were that were being broken, what cover-ups were underway, what bad things had been done. So I believed in that system. When I was coming of age, the Republican Party stood for things like fiscal conservatism. Less government regulation. Free trade. I know that's hard to believe. The old Republican Party believed in free trade. The global world order. There was a reason World War II had certain countries on one side and certain countries on the other side. The world order mattered. There were good guys and there were bad guys. 
And America stood up with the good guys. And our allies meant something. Truth mattered. That's why Watergate mattered. Because truth mattered. The rule of law mattered. So these were the foundations upon which my parents' beliefs were based. And so that's kind of why I fell into the Republican fold back when I registered to vote. But the thing that I discovered as I got older and as the years went by is those beliefs, those norms, those things that I grew up understanding to be the truth turned out not to be so true. Because as it turns out, while there are certain parts of the Republican Party that believed in fiscal conservatism and truth, there were other parts of the party, the extreme religious right, the extreme white supremacist groups, that wanted to say in what the Republican Party was doing, but they were always kind of in the background. They didn't have a strong voice. Because a lot of the stuff that they wanted was really outside the norm and didn't reflect American values. I mean, it's okay to be religious. I've never had a problem with people being religious. But being religious also leaves room for other religions and other beliefs if you're a true believer in God. God is all love. God is about loving your neighbor. God is about taking care of other people. But there are certain religious extremists and there are certain conservative churches that have a voice in the Republican Party that believe their way is the only way. Yeah, except that's not in the Bible. God is love is in the Bible. God is Christian is not. But you can't have that conversation with certain people who slowly were taking over the Republican Party. And I don't really need to talk about the white supremacists. I mean, you know that's wrong. Oh, don't get me wrong. They believe they're right. But any reasonable human being knows they're not. Anybody with half a brain knows they're crazy people. And just so we're clear, punching Nazis is a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. You can hold that over my head and I'll stand by that. Fascism is bad, white supremacy is a fallacy, and Nazis should be punched. And if that causes you not to listen to the podcast anymore, well, see you later, bye. But the problem with the Republican Party is that faction of the Republican Party also began growing in power, in strength. They started having more of a voice. They foisted their anti-immigration, anti-anything-but-white philosophy on the party. And so that changed the dynamics of the party and the priorities of the party and the candidates they put out. It changed the way that the party would govern when it was in power, and it changed some of the basic tenets of the Republican Party that I grew up with. Fiscal conservatism? Out the door. Unbridled defense spending? Super important so we could defend our borders. Keep out those immigrants. Free trade? <laughs> oh, no. We must protect America. And I know I'm oversimplifying for purposes of this podcast episode. I'm just hitting the high notes. There has been a lot more that has gone wrong with the Republican Party over the years. These are just the obvious things. But as a result of the change, we've had a sea change in the attitudes of the people in the Republican Party and the candidates they put out. We've also had a willingness to step away from things like truth, morals, following the rule of law. I've talked about this in other episodes. But by and large, from what I've seen in my experiences, doing the right thing, following the law... It's something that's much more alien to the Republican Party these days than it ever used to be. Don't get me wrong, the Democrats are not angels either. Believe me, I know that too. But what I've seen over the years is that one party cares about all of the people. They care about civil rights for all of the people. They care about fair treatment for all of the people. And the other party doesn't. And so as a result of the changing of the moral fiber and the direction of the Republican Party... We get Trump. 
And because the politics have changed over the years, we get people willing to ignore the rule of law, the social norms and institutional norms of a country like the United States, and this tribalism, this you versus me concept that has everybody fighting against each other in this spiraling death match where somehow some people believe there can only be one winner. So all of these changes, all of these things that brought us to Trump led me to stop voting Republican many, many years ago. I've never changed my registration. I probably should because there's nothing left in the Republican Party that I believe in. There's nothing left that they stand for that I agree with. There's nothing there in the Republican Party for me or for any reasonable human being as far as I'm concerned. There's this antagonism. There's this victimhood. There's this false sense of we're being put upon when the exact opposite is true. And there's this desire to, if not actively hurt other people, at least fail to give everyone an equal shot. This country is built on the concept of equality, of fairness, of all men and all women are created equal. And there's nothing in the actions or conduct of the Republican Party as currently constituted that even hints at a recognition of these founding principles of this nation. There's nothing that indicates that the current Republican Party believes in these concepts the way they were supposed to apply. So where does that leave us? Well, in order to heal the country, which is what we really need to do, we can't go on treating anybody who's not a Democrat or anybody who's not a Republican as arch enemies worthy to be put to death. That's just not right. That's just not what we're supposed to be about. It does always seem to fall to the Democrats to be the bigger people, to reach out to the other side. But it doesn't have to be that way. If we acknowledge that we're allowed to disagree, if we acknowledge that we're allowed to have differing opinions and then work together to try to get to compromise resolutions that will get things done to make the country better for everyone, maybe we can heal. Maybe. It does involve trust. And I understand that it's hard to trust people who are willing to steal, which is literally what's been happening. It's hard to trust people who are willing to voluntarily deprive other Americans of their civil rights. It's very hard to trust people who believe you should leave the country or should be put to death. I don't have an answer for how to trust somebody like that. I don't have an answer for how to communicate with somebody like that. I can't. I don't. And I wish I had an answer on how to get there, how to get that trust. Part of it is through education, I guess. Part of it is through interacting with other people. I wish I had the answer. Maybe when people realize that doing the right thing and following the law is what everybody should be interested in, maybe then we can start healing some of the wounds? Again, I don't know. Maybe it comes from not holding grudges? I don't know. I'm one of the biggest grudge holders around. There are grudges that I've held on to for years. Sometimes I forget why I'm holding on to a grudge. I just hold on to the grudge. I've always tried to extend olive branches Every step of the way in all of my life to heal any wounds that I've had with friends, with family members. But I've also learned that if those olive branches are slapped away or ignored, there's nothing I can do about that. So maybe we extend olive branches, try to heal the wounds. I mean, if the olive branches are ignored, then you go, okay, time to move on. When I was growing up, the other political parties weren't considered enemies. They were considered opponents. You didn't worry that somebody was trying to kill you. You didn't worry that somebody was trying to take your rights away. When I was growing up, there were policy discussions, disagreements of what laws were right, 
disagreements on how to deal with certain things like trade and immigration. But they were disagreements. They weren't wars. How do you get somebody to see that being an enemy accomplishes nothing? An enemy is somebody you have to beat. An enemy is somebody you have to defeat. An enemy is somebody that you have to get rid of. Whether you're getting your ideas from comic books or novels or movies or whatever, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and the bad guy always has to be beaten. Not only beaten, but vanquished. Sometimes killed. But that's not the way it's supposed to be in life. In life, you're supposed to be able to compromise. You're supposed to be able to talk to people. You're supposed to be able to reason with people. But the reality is, I think that we have to let go of some of the hate. I think we have to reach out somehow. Even if it's a teeny tiny olive branch, I think we have to reach out just a little bit to try to get more people on the same page to make America the way it's supposed to be. A country of equal opportunity for everybody. You can disagree, but the basic premise is we should all be treated fairly, we should all have equal shots, and we should protect those in our society who need protecting. The point of all this is I'm glad we have Biden in the White House now. I'm worried about what's going to happen over the next two months before he actually takes office. But I'm hopeful. But I don't envy the man. He's got some fixing to do. He's got some healing to do. And between him and Kamala Harris, I hope they can do it. The one thing I'm sure of is we have the right man in the office right now. He's the kind of guy we need. He's a guy who's been a public servant all of his life. He's a guy who believes in the institutions of this country. He's a guy who basically believes in right and wrong, and there's laws on the books for a reason. He gets all of those concepts, unlike the outgoing administration. So I'm hopeful that he can make things better, that he can fix what's been broken. And I'm hopeful we're on the first steps to a better path and a stronger country, and that we can all rest easy now. I think we've got the right guy in place, and I'm really hopeful he can make it happen. So that's where I am after the election. I hope you're in a happier place. If you happen to be a Trump voter, I'd be happy to hear from anybody who wants to explain to me how you could look at the past four years and go, yep, this was fine. I'd be more than willing to have that conversation with anybody. I suspect, however, that most of the Trump voters would have tuned out long before now. But if you want to reach out, you know how to get a hold of me. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of me, and I'm happy to have a conversation. Anyway... That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for dealing with my little rantiness today. But I think this was a good rant, right? Not out of control, just a happy rant. I feel good. It's nice to feel good for a change. I hope you feel good too. I want to thank you for all your support. Thank you for spending time here. Thank you for listening. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.